0: At the most basic level dna determines who we are what we look like the texture of our hair the color of our eyes the tone of our skin dna reveals relationships and tells the story of our ancestry your mother's nose grandfather's eyes your uncle's smile in the same way your dna forms who you are at a cellular level this is true for every local congregation as well you see Every church, including ACAC, has DNA that directs it. Building blocks that make up our identity, distinctives that define what is important to us, our vision, our mission, our values. The DNA of the church is evident in everything we do. Traces of it are left behind in every place we've been in the smallest, seemingly inconsequential ways It is replicated as each of us bind together as family, a family of one serving the north side of Pittsburgh and beyond to change the world. And although we have a beautiful diversity and complexity within our family, the core of who we are, our mission remains the same, to follow Jesus in diverse community so the world will know the good news. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for its history. I thank you for the future of this congregation and the plans that you have set and laid out before us. And God, as we have continued to look through the DNA, the essence of who you have called us to be, first and foremost, we do pray that your spirit would lead us. And so even now, as we open your word and I communicate the, the passion and the heart that you have put within me, I pray that you would clearly lead every word that comes from my mouth. Once again, this congregation does not need to hear from Alan. They need to hear from you. So would you do that and come today in only a way that you can. In the name of Jesus, amen. So join with me, if you will. You know where I'm going as we have done this over the past several weeks. I invite you to say these with me. ACAC DNA, the essence of who we are. And we are spirit-led. We pursue God's presence and proclaim his truth. We love people where they are. We are a diverse community of faith. And we strive To become more like Jesus and so this weekend we look at again a very significant characteristic of our DNA and that is we are a diverse community of faith now I've already mentioned on several occasions throughout this series that in the mid-1980s one of the errands the Holy Spirit called this church to run was in the area of biblical diversity that this congregation would be a family that not only represented its community of where it was located, but it would represent the kingdom of God. A representation that included diversity in the areas of ethnicity, of age, of socioeconomic status, and even political preference. And so while the word diversity, while our culture and even church have, has pursued diversity within its community. This is something that God began in us 40 years ago. This is not something that's new. It's not a response. It is an errand that God convicted and spoke into the leaders and the family. this church family 40 years ago. And so I believe that even then God knew this moment was going to happen today. That what God did and spoke 40 years ago, he was setting us up to respond in this moment right now. And it was with that spirit led conviction, this church family eventually formalized its very mission statement to be this. Our mission statement at ACAC, one that is very familiar, is following Jesus in diverse community. Now, let me say something specifically about our mission statement. You may notice first and foremost that following Jesus comes first. We are a church who above everything else seeks to follow Jesus. We do not seek diverse community first. We seek Jesus first. And this is why we purposely put DNA markers such as we are spirit led and we pursue God's presence and proclaim his truth before this one, it is how we know the errands that God has called us to run. It is how we follow Jesus by being spirit led through prayer, through pursuing God's presence and understanding his word. So we seek Jesus first. However, in seeking Jesus and his kingdom, we fully recognize that God has not called us to seek him in a community of uniformity or a community of sameness. God's family was never intended to be a homogeneous community. God's kingdom and his people are a diverse family. And he called us to seek him in unity and oneness, even amidst our differences. It's why our theme this year as a church for 2022 is as one that the world may know. John 17, that famous and long prayer of Jesus, that his family amongst its diversity would not be same, would not be uniform, but amidst its diversity, it would be one. And that would let the world know that Jesus is truly the son of God. So many people ask, well, what's the difference then? I hear a lot about diversity and culture. What is the difference between biblical diversity and secular diversity? And so as we look at a biblical understanding of diversity, let's talk about this for a moment. Well, first and foremost, when we talk about biblical diversity, biblical diversity is rooted and it is shaped by scripture. However, secular diversity, and here's the difference, is rooted and it is shaped by people, polls, and politics. Secular diversity is shaped and rooted in human understanding, where biblical diversity is shaped and rooted by God's holy word. So therefore, today, as we talk about us being a community, a diverse community of faith, we will go to God's word. We will look to his word which is truth to discover a biblical understanding of diversity, a theology of biblical diversity, if you will. And hopefully afterwards, we will all recognize that diversity reflects the kingdom of God. From Genesis to Revelation, diversity is woven all throughout this book. In fact, diversity is woven into the gospel story itself, the very good news of the gospel. And what we're gonna look at today is this happens in four unique ways throughout scripture. It happens one in creation, it happens two in redemption, it happens three in adoption, and the fourth way it happens is in glorification. So let's take a few minutes and look at a biblical understanding of diversity and how it reflects God's kingdom. Here's the first. Diversity is in creation. A, each and every human being is created by God. It's a familiar verse to many of you. We'll go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, which says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, the Theological word for this is the Imago Day. Hopefully you understand that every human being is created in God's image, which means every person, because they are created in God's image, therefore has immense value and work worth rather equally. Each and every person, because they are created in God's image, has worth and value equally. And this is the very first indicator that God's kingdom is a diverse kingdom. It's a diverse community that every person reflects the very image of the Father. Basically, each and every one of us, you have God's DNA. So I know this is on video, but look around you. Look at the person beside you. Look at the person in front of you. Look at the person behind you. Regardless of their skin color, regardless of their difference, regardless of the color of their eyes, regardless of who they are, they have God's unique DNA in them. They are created in God's image. So God's creation is a diverse one. Here's the second. Diversity in redemption. We are redeemed by God. Now we can go to a few scripture verses here. We're going to do that and look at this redemption story. So while God created us in his image, all of creation is in need of redemption because of sin's work. Romans 3:23, Paul says, "For everyone has sinned. We all have fallen short of God's standard." That means all of us, every human being, though are they created in God's image, all of us has fallen short of God's standard because of sin. But the good news is, the good news that we've experienced is that we now share that Jesus came to seek and save those who needed redeeming. This was his mission. And he died not for some, not for a particular group of people. He died for all people. We talked about this over the last two weeks. We looked at the Samaritan woman a group, a, a nationality that the Jewish people never would have even entered into Samaria or talked with, but here we find Jesus going to a well. We find Jesus seeking out Zacchaeus, a notorious sinner in the eyes of those who were around him. And again, going to Scripture, in an all-too-familiar verse, John three sixteen: God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever, not that some but whoever, all people who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Our mission is now the same, and that is we are to go and we are to engage, not with some, not with a few, not with a particular group of people, but with all people in sharing the love of Jesus Christ. So redemption has diversity woven through it. God's diverse creation, In need of redemption, Jesus came to redeem all of it. And then he tasked us to carry and continue this work to all people, a diverse people indeed. Here's the third one we see diversity in creation, we see diversity in redemption, and now we see diversity in adoption. We are adopted by God. Having been redeemed by Jesus, we are now adopted into a new family, the family of God. Those who have pledged their allegiance to Christ and his kingdom now become God's children and his heirs. The apostle Paul talks about this when he says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, Paul says, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. There is a new family. A new family is connected with a different type of bloodline. It is a unique DNA. The Bible says that the Spirit of God now unites his children and affirms our relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ. And his children are diverse. So again, look over your shoulder. Look around you, even in this room. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is the Spirit of God that lives in this adopted and redeemed family that unites us. And here is the beauty and the power of this. Only in the family of God can a people so distinctly different be one and considered brothers and sisters. Jesus modeled this when Jesus called his disciples the 12 that he would invest in and spend time with and carry his mission forward after he died and arose to heaven. The disciples were a diverse family. Matthew was a wealthy government-supporting tax collector. We talked about tax collectors. They were identified as notorious sinners. He was pro-government. God called Matthew to be one of the twelve. Simon the zealot was the complete opposite. Zealots were anti-government disruptors. And God called Matthew and he called Simon to be both part of the 12. He even called a man named Judas, who being fully God and fully man knew that one day Judas would betray him. Jesus' disciples were diverse. The very first church in Acts, if you go to Acts chapter 2, where Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit is poured out. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that at that time there were devout Jews in Jerusalem from every nation. And God found it so important enough to empower these Jewish believers who were from Galilee. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, all of a sudden these Jewish believers from this small area in Israel called Galilee began speaking other tongues and other languages. And what was the result of that? Peter preaches the good news. He preaches the gospel. And in one day, 3,000 people, the Bible said, come to know the Lord and the church is birthed. It is a church that included People that were Middle Easterners included Asians, it included Africans, it included Europeans. God was intentional that the very first church would be a diverse church. God's family is a diverse family. And last, we see that diversity is in glorification. One day we will be glorified by God. Now glorification can be a big word. Some of you are like, "Well, what does that mean? What is glorification? What Pastor Allen, what do you mean when you say that?" Let me give you a quick definition. Glorification simply is God's final removal of sin from the life of his children when we join with the Father in heaven for eternity. Eternity. Right now, the work of sin continues to divide us and it causes suffering. Amongst God's creation. However, for those adopted into this family, there will be a day when we are glorified with Christ and sin and suffering will be no more. Again, Paul speaks of this in his, letters to the, his letter to the Roman church in chapter 8. Paul says, and we believers, God's family, this diverse group, we also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. As a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Paul says we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. He therefore goes back and calls us a family, adopted children. Including the new bodies that he has promised us. John, the writer, the book of Revelation, we started in Genesis and now we'll go to the very end of the Bible, the book of Revelation. He sees a vision, a picture on this day when we are glorified with Christ in heaven. John writes in Revelation, after I saw this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation, every tribe, every people and every language. John sees this vision and they were standing In front of the throne before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hand. John sees a vision of heaven when sin and suffering are gone. If you continue reading in Revelation, what are we doing? God's people, God's diverse family from every nation, from every tongue, from every tribe are now in unison singing and worshiping, crying, holy, holy, holy. Before God. On the day when Christ returns, sin and suffering will be no more. Division will be no more. There will be no more discrimination. There will be no more inequity. There will be no more racism. A family of every nation, of every tribe, of every tongue, of every people will be united and gathering at his throne worshiping. The father in heaven and that will be a diverse community but until that day comes we have lots of work to do and that work is not always comfortable nor is it easy I've said this on a few occasions that if you are a part of this ACAC family knowing it or not what you have signed up for is to learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And here's the thing. The good news is that we are not alone nor the first to wrestle with the uncomfortableness of walking in diverse community. Let's be honest, there are times that as a diverse community with different opinions, different backgrounds, it can get uncomfortable. But we're gonna see in just a moment as we open God's word that we are not the first church, in fact, The very first church, the church I mentioned that was birthed at Pentecost when 3,000 diverse people from all nations that looked different and thought different and talked different. When that church was birthed, we find that only four chapters later in Acts, there was some discrimination that happened and things got really uncomfortable. So let's look at that. Four chapters later, after the birth of the church at Pentecost. In Acts chapter six, the Bible says this. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, God's church is growing. This diverse community is growing. There were rumblings of discontent. And watch this. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. Remember, this church was birthed from a conglomerate of nations. It was a diverse community. And as they were growing, the Greek speaking believers had issues with the Hebrew speaking believers because they were saying that their widows were being discriminated against when it comes to the daily distribution of food. So here's what happens. The 12, these first apostles, called a meeting of all of the believers. I love this, by the way. The Bible says, they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. They were tired exhausted in dealing with the issues that the diversity happened. And they continue and they said, so brothers, select seven men and these seven men needed to be well-respected, full of the spirit and wisdom. And then they say to solve this discrimination problem within the first church, we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Bible says that everyone liked this idea. They're like, that is a, God given idea. And so they chose the following, and this is where it gets significant. Here are the names of the seven men that they chose that were full of the Spirit of God, full of wisdom, and they were well respected Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch. Here is the significance of the names and the reason I highlighted them in green. Each of those names came from Greek descent. So don't miss the significance of this. There was an issue where the Greek-speaking believers felt that their widows were being discriminated against by the Hebrew-speaking widows or the men. And so what did the apostle do? The apostles were intentional about saying, okay, you Greek speaking believers feel that discrimination is happening. So we're gonna find Greek speaking men who are well-respected in the community, filled with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding. And we are going to let you solve the problem. And here's the point of this. Biblical diversity takes intentionality. Biblical diversity takes intentionality when Things got uncomfortable in that first church. The apostles prayed and understood that there needed to be intentionality about addressing these issues. Last year, as I was praying for this, praying for the theme of this year, 2022, where we landed on as one that the world may know. God convicted my heart and I began asking the question for our church, where is our intentionality when it comes to biblical diversity? Now, I told you, for the last 40 years, we have been running this area, and there has been intentionality, but I felt the Spirit of God say, we need to go deeper. We need to be more proactive. We need to be more intentional about this. And so it was a year ago, I believe it was right about this time last year, I announced to our congregation that I was forming an African-American advisory council. And so I have not really said anything publicly or to this congregation since that time. We've been meeting several times over the past year and I am so grateful for the times and the opportunities we had to meet. The reason I created this is I was a new lead pastor. I'm half Hispanic, but culturally I'm learning and growing. And I wanted to meet with people, African-Americans, a diverse group of African-Americans that could help me understand history, the issues, the implications, the intentionality that we would need. And in that very first meeting a year ago, this diverse group of African-Americans said to me, first of all, Pastor Allen, we appreciate this, but this group needs to be more diverse. It can't be just us as African-Americans. And so I listened and I appreciated that. And today, I want to let you know that I have spent a lot of time with our elders, we've prayed about this, and our staff. And last month, our elders voted and approved the creation of a shift, not from moving from an African American Advisory Council to now the creation of a Biblical Diversity Committee. And I'm not gonna get into the specifics of all this, but this is a group of people that, like the First Church, we are going to seek that are spirit-filled, that are respected within our community, that within our congregation, that are filled with the spirit of God, that understand biblical diversity and its implications, that can help us, a congregation that has a marker in its DNA of, of being a diverse community of faith. And so it's going to be a diverse group, not just ethnically, but generationally and in socioeconomically. And without getting into all the details, there is a faq sheet that we put together that you can pick up today that's in the welcome center i want to shift though to focus on the opportunity that lies ahead of us i believe we have an incredible opportunity before us that god is setting us up for expanded influence here in the north side in our community in the city of pittsburgh and beyond And I want to remind our church family that the world is watching. And I believe the world is hungry for a community, for a family, for a church that demonstrates oneness amidst diversity, a church family that demonstrates unity amongst differencing opinion. And so here's our vision that stated as a congregation here at ACAC. God has appointed us, ACAC, to be an ethnically, socioeconomically, generationally, and even politically diverse congregation drawn from the greater Pittsburgh region and located in Pittsburgh's north side. We are a diverse people created in the image of God, redeemed by his son, Jesus, adopted into a new family called his church and whom one day will be glorified by our father in heaven. We are united by his spirit, devoted to holy living and being one. So the world will know Jesus is the savior of the world. I believe 40 years ago, God moved in the heart of this pastor and in its leadership and in this congregation to begin addressing a biblical view of diversity for this moment in time we live in a culture and a world that is divided and polarized and imagine the city on a hill we could be imagine the light in darkness that god has called this congregation to be if we bring our differences and in the midst of that demonstrate oneness why so the world will know jesus is the savior That's the calling I believe God has put on this congregation. And it is why diversity is so important. Because diversity reflects God's kingdom. So before you stand today, I'm asking that if you would, if you're a part of this church family, if you would acknowledge and you would accept the incredible challenge of recognizing that following Jesus in diverse community means you've got to be comfortable at times in being uncomfortable. Before you stand, I'm asking that if you would, that you would commit to listen and to learn from one another. That you would be more concerned about listening and learning from those that have different backgrounds, different perspectives, who think differently and look differently. That we'd be far more concerned with listening and learning than we are speaking. That we would be committed before you stand to unity and oneness, not uniformity and sameness. And we would be committed and committed to diversity knowing that in that unity, in that oneness, it directly affects our testimony and letting the world know Jesus is the Savior. So if you would commit to that, I'm asking you right now to stand. Father, I have said this in every moment like this over the past four weeks, that we are standing, that this church is standing, not as a commitment to me as their lead pastor, but we stand before you, our God, our Father. And we accept the incredible challenge, we accept the DNA that is in this congregation, one of its markers being we are a diverse community, as we have seen in your word Lord diversity is throughout the gospel story from Genesis to Revelation and even the first church you deemed it important enough that that first church would be made up of a diverse people but in, in doing so and in that it wasn't without its problems and we are not without ours but we look to you today to be intentional We look to you today for your spirit to lead us. We look for you today for your spirit to unite us and that we would be one so the world would know you're the Savior. Thank you for the incredible privilege it is to be part of such a beautiful family. In your name.